Coming up on this episode, we're talking currencies. That's right, the bucks, the coins, the dollars, the euros, you name it, we're going to talk about it. Matt's been studying up, so we're going to have a lot of great facts coming up on this episode. This is Up for Debate, episode number 123, recorded September 27th, 2018, Currency Exchanged. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Up for Debate, the debate podcast where the two hosts agree on everything. I'm Sean Jennings, joined, as always, by my co-host, our own Mr. Monopoly. It is Matt Mariani. Hello, Matt. Hey, Sean our Jennings. Rich Uncle Pennybags. Indeed. Uh, is it is it Uncle Pennybags? Was he an uncle? I think so. Because isn't is he, that he, uncle, he's, he's like supposed to the... be your rich uncle, the player's uncle. Uh, okay. So does that mean all the players are related? No, like, I think it's... Well, here we go. Rich, rich Uncle Pennybag. He is depicted as a portly old man with a mustache who wears a morning suit with a bow tie and a top hat. Um, the identity of the... Uh, da, 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 let's see. Yeah, he doesn't really have a backstory. Though it is modeled after J.P. Morgan. Makes sense. He also he looked a lot like uh, President Taft. Have you ever seen pictures of oh, William... Yeah. William Howard Taft, president. Our, one of our Howard. funniest looking presidents. Yeah. He's the, the one that they always laugh about getting stuck in the bathtub. That poor guy. He yeah. was stu- trapped in the bathtub, probably traumatized him for life. We need more They don't fat remember presidents. that he was governor of the Philippines. They remember that he was trapped in a bathtub because he was too fat. I would say, pro- would you say one of our li- maybe top five least remembered presidents? No. No. no, you don't think so? Who, Matt, who are your top... I, I know okay. we're totally off topic here. Least five okay, least right remembered Okay, right off the bat, presidents. Chester A. Arthur's got to be number one. I'm with uh, you. I we agree. Got Rutherford B. Hayes would be, would be Ooh, right after him. That's a great him. one. That's um, a great one. I will put in for Van Buren. Okay. Well, Van Buren has the legacy of being the shortest president. Man was like... But like that's, I think, what makes him unmemorable. He also had wicked sideburns. Um, yes, he did. That's true. I, I was, I would, I would say Millard Fillmore, but I think he's the stereotypical not remembered president. Like so many people are like Millard Fillmore, very like that he's become more remembered now because of his lack of memorability. Yep. Uh, okay. So we've got Arthur, we've got Hayes. Uh, I was, I was actually just thinking Polk, but maybe, uh, I would say Tyler. Oh yeah. John Tyler. uh, Yeah. Holy crap. Tyler. Forgot about that. Taylor. Yeah. Okay. Zachary Taylor. Zachary Taylor. Yeah, that whole kind of run in like the mid 1800s was pretty forgettable because you had in succession Van Buren, Henry Harrison, Tyler Polk, Taylor, Fillmore, Pierce, Buchanan, and then yes. Lincoln. I think everyone before Lincoln, either you're a founding father or you're Lincoln. <laughs> and if you're in between, well, no one you, gives you a know, shit. in between that was uh, that's often remembered as the height of congressional power in this country. So. It was when Congress was at maximum power, so of course the executive is at its most waning power, and, and that's why mm-hmm. these these presidents weren't you know widely remembered is because the decision the the power the um, 
decision making, the the brunt of America's like tour de force was put into the into Congress, congressional decision making. You had a lot of strong arm people in in Congress at that time, Henry Clay, um, uh, uh, John C. Breckinridge, to name a couple. Like they were just they were like these congressional powerhouses and stuff. So. Now, mm-hmm. Matt, I, I, now I'm just really getting excited about presidents, and I swear we're going to get to currency. But our, you may know our current president has held no prior elected office prior to being president. That's true. Can you, can you name any of the five other presidents who held no elected office prior oh, to becoming fun. president? Okay, we can play this game. I could not do it, but I'm going <laughs> I'm to hope that you can. I'm cheating. How about we start with Washington? Um, that is George true. Washington. That is true. Um, yeah. And then we move on to. Maybe John Adams. No, 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 no. I take that back. He had and to. Yeah, he, he was. Yeah. He was the, well, so when they say no, I, maybe I should be more specific. Nope. No prior elected office. John Adams was the um, vice president. Oh, yeah. That well, that's why. That's why. Yeah. And I, some of these, it's like Secretary of State. Yeah. Kinda... I, I was thinking prior to, like, I don't even know. I, I guess that is true. That is an elect. That was an elective office back then, uh, and still is more or less. Um, yeah, no, I forgot about that. Um, wow, this is hard. Well, I'll give you a hint. Okay. Military experience has a lot to do with it. Think of presidents who came right from the military. I was going chronologically, but I was going to get to Eisenhower eventually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe. Oh, Woodrow Wilson, maybe he was a he was like a college dean, but I but was did, was he a was he was he a senator or governor before that? Maybe governor of New Jersey. Uh, he New was Jersey? governor yeah, of New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Okay, I, I think I think I may I may resign. I may have, to, I may have to throw in the towel one. here. I, I, uh, it's hard. I'll give you a. Uh, Herbert Hoover, who came as the Secretary of Commerce, not, not really an elected okay. position, but you can you can judge that as you see fit. We also would have accepted Ulysses S. Grant, of course, oh, coming uh, commanding general of sure. the U.S. Army. Yep, um, Zachary yep. Taylor as well, um, and uh, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Hmm. So, there you go. So. And I, I, I can keep going with the president facts if we want to. Fun facts. If we want to keep going. There, there but, are lots of them. Um, we might have to do a whole episode. We could do a whole episode on U.S. Uh, presidents. I, I bet we could do multiple episodes. We could do a whole season about that. <laughs> we could all do a whole spinoff. Um, it would be a hoot. Could you imagine? Has anyone you think done that? A podcast where every episode is about a president and they do them in sequential order. So, like the first episode is George Washington and the second is John Adams. Uh, I would, I would think so. 
somebody must have thought of that. That seems like now. a really that seems like too good of an idea for yeah. us to have. No, there's, been the first there's no way. Of. There's no way we thought of that. That's definitely a. Hmm. That's definitely too smart for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, Matt, we are here to talk about currencies. You picked the topic. Um, why? Um, why? That's a good question. It's a very good question. I, I was thinking in our usual, just the usual tactics that we use when we choose episodes or when we choose, um, you know, when we go in to do research, you know, you seem, it seems like you always pick the interesting, noteworthy, straightforward facts. And I always pick the quirky, like off the wall, like kind of wacky facts about the same topic. And I was just thinking, geez, if we did currency, I bet there's a lot of like weird, wacky currencies out there. Uh, can, can I can I tell the folks at home one of the rejected ideas for this week that is now the single greatest idea sure you've ever pitched? Matt, you wanted to do a whole hour-long podcast episode on fences. fences. That's right. Different types. Someday we may be desperate enough to do it. Types of and... Types um, of fences. Most, yeah, of course, we would look up <laughs> the most unique fences. That still so cracks me up. Yeah. That's like a dare. Like someone would dare us to do that. Yeah. That's fantastic. No, we're, we're going to hold off on fences. Go with a much easier currency. And uh, Matt, I don't know where you want to begin with currency. Um, you know, coming from the Middle English word current, meaning in circulation, or so says okay. Wikipedia. Um, I think we'll start. We'll start here. All right. Um, when you think of currency, Sean, you think of what? What's the first when thing I that think pops of into currency, your head? When I think of currency, I think of... I guess I don't really think of... I don't think of currency very often, so that's not a good answer. Well, the first but, thing should be what? Um, what? What should be the first physical thing that pops into your brain? Coins. Okay, I coins, think of coins. Coins, coins are currency. Are, are they, would you say they're a currency that you commonly use? Do you commonly find yourself using coins? I wish I did more. Why I wish I that? did more. Uh, no. You know, because, and I was, I, I did some currency research before getting on the show today, and there is, coins have been around a lot longer than paper money, uh, and obviously credit cards as well. I mean, coins have been around for thousands of years. And um, and I think there's just something really neat about a physical coin. Of course, coins are very different now than they used to be. But um, there there is there is something interesting about that versus paper money and especially digital money um, that gives it that very very physical physical feel. You're you're actually putting uh, value behind the the object because it's made of something that's precious theoretically. That's true. Um, and what you said was absolutely true. That coin that coins definitely predate paper money by um, thousands of years and that metal co yeah metal coins it's believed that you know I mean if you if you look at early humans and, and what they use the resources that they needed metal was a was a very precious substance it could be hammered down and melted to make tools and weapons that's the 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 primary reason that these that these coins started to gain traction is that they were they could be smithed into into things of quality uh, thus becoming precious and desirable. Um, for coins, though, would you believe that uh, on the Solomon Islands, uh, there was the, 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 the ancient people there 
used a currency that was a coin, technically. But, Sean, these coins were approximately 12 feet in diameter and could weigh what? up to 8 tons. That is downright irresponsible. of course, about the rye stones, R-A-I, rye stones. Yes. Uh, discs made entirely out of limestone. That's that crazy. Pretty- That's crazy. And if I... And if I understand it correctly, Matt, what indicated the value of the stone was how big it was. Right. The bigger the the bigger the stone, the more valuable it was, which is crazy. It it, it was more valuable because it was more difficult to move. There there is something kind of really neat about that. Yeah, I wa- I wonder if the I mean, you, if you if you really you kind of apply anthropology to this, you think about did the people there view the size as kind of a test of strength like they were able to harvest this much stone and fashion it and design it did it symbolize their power or virility in some way um they are still used today uh, they were found on the micro they're found on the micronesian island of yap y-a-p and on the island of Yap, they're still used today in important social transactions, such as during marriages, inheritance of property, political deals, sign of an intertribal alliance, ransom, or rarely exchanged for food. Um, the physical location of the stone is often not significant. So where where it's located or where it's placed, not so much. Um, the, um, the rye stone are, it was considered a national symbol and are even depicted on license plates in the area. Also known as Yap stones. That is, um, you know, I'm going to try and be respectful here. That's very dumb. To have the giant stone as a currency. Giant stone. Yeah, disc. that seems very inconvenient. That that seems like you've set up a system that is inherently inconvenient. Like I feel like there are a lot of other ways you can do it. Hmm. Yeah, but, I, I mean this is but, this is ancient. You know. I think this just is, is something that has been completely passed down. Um, oh, here's interesting. The as long as the transaction is recorded and and back. It, the monetary system relies entirely on an oral history of ownership. Um, as long as it's recorded that the stone has passed into another ownership, no physical movement of the stone is required, and thus the physical location of the stone does not matter. So, for example, if if a, if a, if a stone is located closer to one village than another village, then or one one residence as opposed to another residence. As long as it is orally recorded that the stone belongs to someone else and it is therefore known amongst the Yapis people, it does not need to be moved. I find that very fascinating. That's crazy, though, because that's like owning a building or a a lake or something. It's just like an object. It's not really currency. But it is currency. That's what currency can be. Well, anything. Look, I mean, as long it's as the it's the same thing as liquidity and uh, like liquid assets in our in our, you know. What is money, really? Well, according to Wikipedia, no, I'm not going to do that. But no, but no, really, the th- theoretically, what takes something from being money to making it a currency is controlled by a central body or government. 
Um, and so I'm not quite sure how the Yap people, uh, the island of Yap, Yap, the, the Apesians maybe, uh, not sure how they say that. Uh, I don't know if it is controlled by a central group, um, truly making a currency. Oh, so they, they, I mean, they, it looks like modern current, it says modern currency has replaced the stones as everyday currency, but yeah, aren't they a Euro state? The, the, what the, um, the Micronesia? So. Yeah, the the Micronesian island of Yap, right? They're, I'm pretty sure that's a Euro the, they state. They fall in the um, in the Eurozone. I'm just kidding. Oh, that was okay. a joke. So. But I, I had was... you for a minute there. <laughs> you never know. With a previous, could have been a previous colony. I, I don't People know. People love that Euro of a uh, of a European power. I'm sure it was a colony of somebody. It actually, at it was, some point. and it was. It, it looks like in a surprise turn of events, it was a colony of the United States. Ah, what a shock. Yes. And they uh, did not gain full independence until 1986. The currency they use today is the U.S. dollar. Yay! The U.S. dollar. But they still still are said to exchange these rye stones um, in, you know, in traditional traditional ceremony. That's awesome. There you have it. That's cool. I think it's neat that they keep yeah, it around. It's, it's on their license like plate. Like in the modern world, it's totally yeah. impractical. It makes no sense. It's from a cultural just, standpoint. Yeah, just keep doing it. Like we use these stones and we're still using them. Kind of. Sort of. Damn straight. For yeah. ransom. <laughs> from, for battle ransom. For battle. You think they have a lot of Maybe. battle ransoms I don't know. I've these never, days? I have never been to Micronesia. Micronesia. Better than Macronesia. Mm. Yeah. That Macronesia. No. Now, Matt, are you familiar with – you've heard of coin. We, we were talking about coins, right? You know what a coin yep. is. Um, now, it may sound like something you'd win on a game show, but it's not. Are you familiar with the million-dollar coin? I am not, but I can I can hash a guess at what it might be. Is it a coin it's, worth a million dollars? It's pretty straightforward. If you can believe it, it is, but it's better than that. Because in 2007, the Royal Canadian Mint decided to produce, in partnership with the Guinness World Records people, the world's first million-dollar coin, Matt. It weighs 100 kilograms. And it's... I, the, the website doesn't say exactly how wide. It's probably about four feet wide. I mean, it's a, it's like... It's huge. It's like the size of a car tire. Mm. This coin. A million-dollar coin, and it is made of... 99999 pure gold bullion, which means 99.999% pure. It's just a giant chunk of gold. They made one as sort of a showpiece. Several interested buyers came forward. They decided they were going to make them for sale. They've sold five of them. They weigh, I have no idea, what is 3,215 troy ounces? Troy, what is it? I don't know. A troy ounce is a that measurement, me but I will I've make never it easy heard on you. The troy ounce. Matt, two hundred and twenty pounds. This thing weighs. Hmm. It's the world's largest <laughs> gold coin. Um, and and yeah. And where is it? Where is it located? Um, I don't. I'm assuming the owners get them. Uh, they're manufactured at the Mint's Ottawa facility. Um, the reverse side features an elegant hand polished maple leaf design. Um, and the other, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Of course. So, Matt, if you've got a million dollars, you can own one. Mm. 
Although I would assume with the value of gold, I wonder what that's what 100 kilograms of gold is worth. Yeah, I was going to say, wouldn't that fluctuate? Yeah, because it is super yeah. pure gold. Gold. Um, I'm pure definitely going to... Oh, look, there's a phone number you can call. This this uh, company, I'll sell it to you. I'll see if... Uh, gold price per kilo. What's, what's 100? Oh, this is complicated. One troy ounce. Well, there you go. One kilo... No, well, that's not helpful. Anyway, I'll have to get back to you. But, uh, oh, a kilogram of gold is worth $38,000. Multiply that times 100. That's $3.8 million. That's crazy. Maybe that is a really good investment. Is this why rich people keep getting richer? Because they buy million-dollar coins and then they're worth $3.8 million? Yeah, I think we've cracked the code. I think this is God how it damn. happens. It just kind of circulates. That hmm. sucks. Oh, l listen to this. This is semi-unrelated, but uh, Google told me this. Uh, apparently, one of these coins was in a museum in Germany. Um, it's worth, this article says 4.2 million whenever this was published. Um, and um, suspected robbers broke into the museum with a ladder and used a wheelbarrow to steal the three-foot-wide co uh, coin. They stole it in a, with a wheelbarrow. Uh, according to this article from July 2017, the coin still has not been found. And investigators say they believe it may have been melted down and sold. Uh, they are uh, said to be at a loss as to how the thieves broke bullet bulletproof glass inside the building and evaded burglar alarms. That's that's crazy. What a yep. So one of the one of five in the world was stolen with a wheelbarrow. Like wow! How did nobody catch them? I would figure as it's you. It's a three two hundred twenty pound three foot size right. gold this coin. Guy's just wheeling it of down all the, the things to steal. What? And where do you bring it to melt it down? Be like, you know, like cash for gold or something? And you're like, oh, what, oh, what yeah. can I get My for this? My uncle gave this to me. Like, it I, was a gift. I, I, you know? That's right. I found, I found it. it. I found yeah. it on the street, just lying there. Someone must have coin. dropped it. Clumsy them. Damn Canadians. Yeah. So there you go. Well, our next currency here is not quite as heavy, although it might be. It actually might it might rival uh, your your giant gold coin, but it's certainly not made of gold. Uh, it's made of a, a very different substance, Sean. Um, it's uh, a, I'll just come out and say it. It's a cheese. It's a cheese. Che yes, cheese. cheese. Parmesan cheese, to be specific. That is very Now, why specific. am I talking about Parmesan cheese on a currency podcast? You've completely well, lost me. Oh, um, I mean, I, I have completely <laughs> lost my mind. But um, <laughs> completely unrelated, as early as the year 1200, apparently uh, this tasty cheese made from skim milk was used as a currency in northern Italy. Interesting. Um, so Parmesan cheese first became popular as a contemporary um, currency, it looks like, in the uh, 
in the mid 18th century or around the mid 18th century, uh, it, uh, it was i think it was used from the looks of it as kind of a uh like a way to balance currency like if people didn't have enough money they could they could easily pay in in parmesan cheese and that would be perfectly acceptable i guess i mean i guess it is pretty versatile and and very valuable as a cheese yeah but i mean you would have to be no offense to to these fine folks but You'd kind of have to be absolutely insane to pick an <laughs> item for your currency that eventually goes bad, that spoils. Well, I think that's isn't that the beauty of cheese though? Is even when it goes bad, it still tastes good. Is that really what you want to be <laughs> trading, people? Old cheese? Like what an un that that's like that's like having apples as your currency, and it's like, well, no, that's. That's bizarre. That's such an odd item. I mean, I, maybe they just had too much of it. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think it... Uh, evident, uh, evidently, it was. Oh, it goes back to 1200, not 1700. 1200. Uh, wheels of Parmesan cheese were used as medium of exchange for other goods. Even as recently as the year 2009, Sean... Well, the economy was tough around that time. They might not yeah, have had a lot of money. Well, it, even as recently as 2009, some banks in the region of northern Italy used Parmesan wheels as collateral for farmers' loans. So it's not like they were like you would you would uh, a traveler in the 13th century would go to Italy and see everybody. Oh wait, you have to exchange your money in for Parmesan cheese, like the money exchanger. I think it look it looks awesome. like they just used it to leverage already existing and used currency. But like, what does the bank do with the cheese? Is there a cheese vault they keep the cheese? <laughs> yes, in? I, I wonder. Um, and how do you track the cheese? And which cheese belongs to which persons? Is it kind of like a pawn shop? Maybe they would print some kind of ID on the on the cover of the cheese. Which, by the way, they would like tag. I didn't tag know your you cheese. can actually eat that cover. Like the entire that whole cover of is edible. Are you sure? Says it right here. It, it says it. This, it says that you can actually, um, you can grate. You know, after you grate or shave the cheese, slivers and chunks of the hardest part of the crust can be used to simmer soup. They can also be roasted. And well, it doesn't mean you snack. eat it. Okay. I, I don't know if I would. I'm worried about you, Matt. Please that. don't yeah, try. But, um. Yeah, I want. I wonder if they. Uh, I mean, they come in these giant wheels that look like big coins, right? Yeah, I mean, sort of. Again, I just circle back to it's like a perishable dairy item, which, which is. I mean, I guess it's more stable than milk or cottage cheese. What's but yeah? Still. What is the um? What's the rate of expiration on these uh, Parmesan cheeses? They, I no, think they they last a really long time. I would say. Well, I was going to ask you, Matt, let's say you were starting a society, okay? But your only one of your rules was that your currency had to be a food item, an edible food item. What do you think would make the best food item currency? Uh, if I had to pick a food item to use as currency, I'd probably yep, any, use any, any food beer. item. 
I would say beer. That's not I would bad. say because beer can last an extremely long time. Um, I'd probably skew a little. You know I think what? wine lasts Also, longer. though, the fact that it's liquid means that it can evaporate. True. Uh, you want something a little more solid? Also, you'd have to worry about breaking the bottle. And, and measuring liquid is hard. Measuring liquid is really difficult. Yeah. Especially in olden yeah. times. You'd have to include like vo- liquid volume and stuff. And, um, maybe, maybe soy, like not soy. What is the like bean curds where you like you cut them into squares and and really like make them literal blocks of of currency, yeah. like tofu. I'm saying. I mean, I. I think they probably already did it right. I think spices is probably which oh, they have, which okay. has been used as currency all over the world, and that's probably why because it doesn't really go. They're also bad. extremely valuable to trade and rare. Uh, yeah, and they're a limited they, limited. They grow item, in yeah. a very specific climate. Yeah, that's that's probably a really good idea. Salt, salt, coconuts, was a very, maybe uh, common thing to be traded. Why coconuts? Well, do coconuts? How long does it take for a coconut to go bad? Uh, you know what? And they're hard. You can't really break them. Not intention, not accidentally anyway. You can put them in the mail and they'll mail them. Fun coconut fact. Yeah. Uh, it looks like coconuts do go bad. When they go bad, they become brittle and yellowish in color. <sighs> I think human beings go yeah, the same way. They go the way of the coconut. Mm. Coconuts are interesting. Very bizarre fruit. Have you ever uh, had coconut water? I've tried it. No, did not I, care for I don't it. either. A coconut milk. It's unappealing. Really? Yeah. Never. No, not no. really a fan. Is it, are coconut? But I like coconut. Are those flavors. the same thing? Coconut water and coconut milk. I don't think so. Um, I could speculate what the difference is, but I don't know the actual answer. Because I, I think coconut water, yeah, I don't know. But I don't think they're the same thing. If you find out, let me know. Um, no, I like coconut-flavored things, so I've never like actually dealt with like a real-deal coconut. Uh, I, I've, never, I've never eaten a coconut. Yeah, so the difference, I have had coconut water, but I don't think I've ever had, I've ever had like pure coconut milk. I've had coconut milk in things. Um, and you're right; they are different. The coconut water is the actual water in the center of the coconut, like just the pure water. Yeah. Coconut milk is made when you blend the white that white part, the flesh they call it of the coconut. When you blend that with the water, it makes what's called coconut milk. So, it's kind of like how it's kind of like you ask, like, how do you make almond milk or oat milk? I know is big now. It's kind of kind of the same way, I suppose. Yes. What is what's what is big now? Oat milk. Oat milk, yeah. which I guess is better for you than almond or soy milk. Oat milk is what I hear. Gluten free, dairy free, lactose free, um, but it's got uh, it's got less saturated okay. fat, which I guess is a problem in those other ones. Um, and it's uh, and it's got extra fiber, so I'm told it's good for you. But it's uh, that is interesting. It's Oat new, milk. yeah. 
So that's Oat probably going to be the next big thing. I have had almond milk. That's what they're saying. Almond milk saying. is actually I've pretty ever had good. Almond milk. Um, not my favorite thing. I wouldn't drink it by the carton, but really also not that bad. And and considering that it is better for you than regular milk, um, true. It's not a, not a bad substitute. Anyway, we were talking about yes. currencies. Yes, we were. Not milks. Now, Matt. Uh, this is a little different, but, you know, obviously in the United States, we have the dollar, the U.S. dollar. Okay. We've got all sorts of coins. We've got different uh, uh, amounts of, of dollars here in the U.S. But I bet you know that there are a lot of slang terms for U.S. money. Okay, yeah. I'm Zero. talking bucks, dough, bread, moolah, cheddar, paper, stash, loot, smackers, simoleons, tamale, scratch, cheese, lettuce. Oh, tomato, onion, pickles. On a Cabbage. sesame seed bun. A bean or a bone. 20 bones. Matt? Yeah. Uh, a dollar bill, sometimes a single or a buck, rarely an ace. A $2 bill, a deuce. $5 bill, a fiver, five spot. $10 bill, a sawbuck. A Hamilton. <laughs> a sawbuck? $20 bill, a dub. A sawbuck. Uh, a, uh a, a sawbuck is also a slang term for the U.S. $10 bill, derived from the similarity between the shape of a sawbuck device and the Roman numeral X, or 10, which formerly appeared on $10 bills. A double sawbuck is a $20 bill. All right. I kind of like that. $100 bill, a C-note. Benjamin, a rack. $100,000 U.S. dollars is a, a brick. A million dollars is a rock. $100 a yard. Um, the list, I can keep going. The penny comes from the name of the British penny, but older U.S. pennies sometimes called coppers because they were mainly made of coppers. And uh, pennies dated 1909 to 1958 uh, had wheat, wheat stalks on the back or sometimes called Wheaties or Wheatbacks. I, I remember. I've seen, I've seen those pennies. I've seen those wheat stock pennies. I don't, uh, I don't remember if we talked about this on our collections episode, which was a great one. Um, have you ever thought about collecting I coins? I, I, I started a very minuscule coin collection um, in my childhood. I, I would Mainly I would just keep coins that looked interesting, like not really ones that were too much of value, like just ones that sure. had gotten, you know, like really old looking or kind of like scruffy looking, like – if the color had died or something like that, it had been dar- tarnished, I, and I thought it looked interesting. I had some foreign currency, too, a little bit. You know, the occasional Canadian penny that would show up. The occasional, sure. a like, a uh, yeah, I had a couple of British coins. Any lira? I think I may have had yeah. one lira, like a lira. Just, uh, yeah, I, I still have them somewhere. They're around here somewhere. I think they're in my in my junk drawer. But um, I, I thought that of all the kind of collecting things, the coin collection seems like the the way to go. The problem I have with things like coins and stamps, I think, is another good example, is I need a collection where I can easily tell what is valuable and not valuable. Like, like collecting cars, for example, I'd be like, that's a classic car, and that's a 1989 Saturn. Like, I know one of those is valuable and one of them isn't. You can put two nearly identical pennies in front of me. One could be worth a million dollars and one well, could be worth Well, that's one of the neat things about being a collector of coins is that you'd be, you would be one of the few people that would be able to tell. 
you would be able to I tell. I do not and, have and the you would tell other that. people, you know, you've got a you've got a really valuable coin on your hands. Or you could really be like, you. every story you go in, be like, oh, you just look at every piece of change. Oh, worthless. <laughs> and you flip it back in the yeah. cashier's face. Or let's be real here. I guess the, be- the the coolest thing to collect would be pogs. I wish pogs would come back. Yeah, I would get your I, hopes I enjoy up. the hell out of pogs. I, I, I don't know where my pog collection is at, but that's a, that's that was a fad that died out way too soon. You could trade pogs. Yeah, I think it died out at, at exactly I mean, the right time. The game was a little bit rough, but did you ever play the pog game? Um, I, I did very brief. I got into pog. See, so where I lived in the middle of nowhere, we got all the fads at the end. And so pogs were around for about five minutes, and then Pokemon yeah. came right in and just gave it the one, two, and kicked Pokemon, it out. I, I can't remember if it was Pokemon or was that Gigapets? Was it Gigapets? Uh, well, Gigapets and Tamagotchi. And Tamagotchi. I, maybe th- that was the, yeah. kind of the intermediary. That was the one that I think r- came right before Pokemon. And then Pokemon just knocked everything out of the box. Oh, what God, a, What yeah. a massive success Pokemon was. Really, when you think about it, they're just genius, genius marketing. And then they, rele- the, like, they released it? the card game. They released the video game. They released the children's show. And the the uh, the children's show basically just reinforced kids to go out and buy more more merchandise and and own the video game. And then the video game itself, they they sold two separate cartridges that you you couldn't complete your collection of Pokemon yep. unless you owned both cartridges or had a friend that also had you, know, you could trade back and forth. Genius, just completely genius. Although I will say, because you're absolutely right, and I agree, and I give him a lot of credit, but I'm going to give a smidge more credit to the Digimon people because they were smart enough not to invent a fad, but to <laughs> steal a fad and still get rich. Yeah, they got rich, it. but they didn't get. They definitely credit didn't where get Pokemon do. rich, and didn't even come close to Pokemon rich. I mean, they. I think they 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 did what they had to do. They rode on Pokemon's coattails. And, and and they were able to pull themselves up and and definitely make some money off of it. But you can't you can't say that that fad was of the equal veracity. No. Of, of the veracity of oh no no fad. no no definitely. Did you know Digimon started as Gigapets? What? That's that's where the characters came from. They came from Gigapets. Yeah, that's what Wikipedia said. I was just trying to see how much the Digimon, how much it's worth. Because uh, I'm curious to how that compares to uh, Pokemon. I mean, obviously it's not worth as much, but still, hey, look, I'd, I'll take a, a, a fraction of a ripoff. Mm. That's, that's still probably pretty good money. But anyhow, yeah, you're right. It was influenced by the style of contemporary Tamagotchi or Nano Gigapet toys. Yeah, Digimon hatch from types of eggs called Digi eggs. God, what a awesome! I really didn't. Yeah, I didn't know there was any connection or relation whatsoever. But I think they had an interesting premise. 
I, I think just where they went wrong is that the Digimon never battled each other. Like Pokemon. Mm, yeah, it was more, know, if more there's the one collecting. thing that kids love, it's it's these these uh like staged gladiator fights between their beloved pets. These these terrifying monster creatures that yeah. roam the earth that are aliens, right? Did they ever <laughs> did they ever figure out what Pokemon were? They're aliens, right? Oh, um, we're gonna open that can of worms. Is that not an established so thing? So in one, I remember specific, and I'm I'm definitely not an expert on this, but I remember there being one episode of the of the show where they visit Professor Bill. He was a character. Yeah. I think and 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 Bill it, he explains to Ash and the team the origin of the Pokemon. They all came here in a spaceship from outer space and inhabited like a long time ago. Like I don't yeah. even know if it was if it was before humans came around or maybe when humans were like in their primitive stages and and they came on a spaceship here essentially um jettisoned from a from a foreign planet and they basically just developed and evolved here on earth alongside humans now what that doesn't really explain though is how they keep discovering new pokemon like how how is it that like oh wait we just discovered this new batch of like 150 billion more pokemon just came out like they would have to keep coming from other planets, right? And keep, like, landing here. Right. And I don't know why they just don't do that. Like, oh, look, a, a bunch of Pokemon just showed up in another spaceship. And now they're on Earth. And well, let's catch them and battle them to the death. I, I mean, Matt, in all seriousness, if you were just hanging out one day and a spaceship landed in front of you and out came a bunch of, like, weird-looking like squirrels and turtles and shit, but they all had these crazy powers and just talked gibberish. Like, I think what my, would you do? My first I don't even... instinct would be, let's trap them in these little magnetic balls <laughs> and then, and then battle, battle them, them against battle each other. Each other. <laughs> what a twisted, like, evil... Like, like, what a great example. Like, mankind is yeah. evil. Like we capture these beautiful creatures and we, aliens right. from another we, world, and we and get we them can't to fight We can't each just other. be content to let them, you know, exist and admire their beauty. No, we gotta make them fight against each other. To own them. We gotta watch. Them. So much so, there's a whole industry. Yeah. I mean, they can shoot fire and shit. Like, I mean, what are we just gonna well, let they them be dangerous. Just do whatever they want? They're dangerous. Exactly. I, I I can only think of the implications of living in a world alongside Pokemon. Like they're they're incredibly destructive. We should definitely at some point on the show do a ranking of worst fictional worlds to live in. Yes, I, Pokemon would be up there. I, also, I, think it would I, be. I mean, there's all there's there's that age old conundrum of what people in the Pokemon universe eat. Do they eat Pokemon? Yes, that is a good question. There have been several occasions on the show where they've they've talked about real world animals. But you never see any other animals besides Pokemon. Yeah, you never see like a dog no, or something. You, you don't. If if there was a dog, it would be a Pokemon. It would be a Pokemon dog. Yeah. It wouldn't just be a normal dog. Um So 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 did the alien Pokemons kill all the other animals? And replace them. I mean, I'm assuming so. They're they're all 
they're all evolutionarily <laughs> superior to anything we have on Earth. I mean, just look at them side by side. But then you think they would have destroyed mankind by now. That's why. I, I mean, guess how does that's mankind? Just, how did mankind that's what tame the tr- job Pokemon? Of the trainers, I guess, are is to just keep capturing them and slaving them. They domesticated them over thousands of years. N- more or less, I, I think so. Or maybe they all just are extremely oh docile and peace loving for some reason. I just imagine that there is a Pokemon fan out there listening to the show who's screaming into their phone, you morons, that's not how it we works. We would love to hear from you. You don't know anything. Yeah, honestly, please come on and explain how Pokemon work because I am yeah. baffled. Really is baffling. It is. It is. And we've gotten off topic Indeed. yet again, Indeed. but that's okay. But it is It is something that I think uh, I think people could write could write diatribes on that kind of a subject but um i'll give you sure. one more thing matt before we turn it back over to you do you know where the dollar symbol the dollar sign you comes know, from i think there are the s there are the some line conflicting theories about this give me give me one moment and i will i will i will think upon them okay i'll just sit here in silence while you're doing that okay so well, as I was saying, okay, Ooh, you've contemplated. Yes, it. I've contemplated this, and I think that the I heard one theory that in the in the in the colonies, the U.S. colonies, they used to um, I think they would trade in Spanish bullion, like gold mm-hmm. and silver, right, or gold mostly, and the yep. S is supposed to be for Spanish. Or maybe maybe it was. Is that that's one theory? Is that the S comes from like the Spanish currency? Um. Then there's something about like SI. And then like they they somehow got like blended together, but I'm I'm not remembering that for some reason. Yeah, so you're pretty pretty close. Mm-hmm. Wikipedia says. That uh, back in the mid seven mid to late 1700s, uh, you were right. They were using the Spanish do- uh, the Spanish American peso, also known as the Spanish dollar, uh, provided the model for currency that the United States later adopted. And the way it would be written in script was the letter P with a superscript kind of uh, like a power of whatever uh, S, a small S above it. Um, and over time, the P and the S got murdered the s was written okay, over that, the p yeah. developing into okay. sure. into the sun okay. for peso spanish peso right that's yep. what it was yep yep the s and the p interesting um there's a also a less less plausible hypothesis that this is the greek character psi um mm. corrupted over the years although i don't know why that would be on. No, that's a yeah. little wacky. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, there's a neat little picture of the evolution of the of the dollar sign. Wikipedia, man, hmm. they got it all. Hmm. They got it going on. All right, Matt, you got any other all right. currency um, thoughts? I do have this one. Um, you may have you may have known that um one of the largest and largest in terms of use this time, not like the not like the rye stone. Um, the largest uh, 
in terms of commercial commercialized currencies in the history of the world was an element actually or not an element, a compound what? it was a compound uh, we know it today as sodium chloride the ancient peoples called it salt as in it was salt. worth its weight in salt ah uh, now matt I've heard of salt you, know, you put on your French fries, but you're saying salt as money? Indeed. I know it's a crazy idea, but uh, as early as the 6th century, uh, merchants in northern Africa routinely traded salt and gold at the same value per ounce. Gold and salt were considered of equal value. Um, even further back than that, we go all the way back to 2700 B.C., in China is uh, when when the first written record of salt coming into uh, trade. As a matter of fact, the symbol, the Chinese symbol for salt and the Chinese symbol for uh, unit for currency are very closely related and have, have similar elements con contained. Um, salt was valued for a number of things, including food preservation uh, and uh, trade also the fact that it was the, at, at the time only it could only be mined in very limited locations throughout the world made it even more valuable well it was basically like gold you had to mine sure. them both so i can imagine that's why they were are worth about mm -hmm. the same um ancient rome in roman times ancient roman times they used to pay their soldiers in in salt uh it's actually where we get the word salary from salary ah. was uh the soldier's payment was known as the solarium argentum which is now where we get the term salary shortened to salary uh if the soldier was not worth his salt a phrase that still exists today the soldier's salary would be cut I that's I genuinely so did that's, not know that. That's where yeah, that's where we get all the uh, salt terms from. So uh, so there you I go. Like salt being salty is not just a meme. If you were salty in the ancient Roman world, you'd be rich. There you go. Oh, you'd be a wealthy yeah. man. You'd be worth your Indeed. weight in salt. Can you think of any other idioms relating to salt? Um, aren't you, well, that's not really, a, it's more of a superstition where you throw salt over the shoulder. Um, idioms, idioms involving salt. Like that's a good question. Not worth your salt um, or. I'm just going to do what normal people <laughs> do and Google it. Um, oh, you take something with a grain of salt. Yes, that's right. Okay. I think that relates to that's the a medicine. Good one. Right. I think we, was that, that might've been one we addressed in our idioms episode. I think it was. Yeah, like you take take salt with the, take a grain of salt with your medicine to make it go oh. down better or something like that. How about rubbing salt into someone's wounds? Yes. Rub salt into the wound. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Um Don't salt the baby with the no, salt no. water? No, that's that's a different idiom. Yeah. That's definitely not no. Um no, did we say not worth their salt? Yes, I think we said not that being one. worth your salt. That comes from the salt trade. There's actually a very fascinating book 
I'm sure it would not surprise me that somewhere I guarantee there's a book there called is. Salt. The subtitle is A History no, it's, of it's, Salt. There, there is a book called Salt, and its subtitle is A World History. Salt, A World History. It's by Mark Kurlansky. Yep. And, and it's very boring, I'm um, sure. I've heard very good things about it. I have not read it yet in its entirety, but uh, I have heard very good things about it. It's actually got a pretty neat cover. Um, the cover is like a... Can you lick uh, it? Yes, you can. It tastes like paper, spoiler alert, but not oh, like salt. I see. That's a little misleading. It's very interesting. I, I, uh, I want to read it. It's on my list. Well, one of the things I will say as we kind of move to wrap up our discussion on currency, there is a great book. It was recommended by uh, mine and your friend Dan Miller, who who usually picks great books. I started it, found it too boring to finish, but other people might like it. It's called Debt is the name of the book, and it's essentially a history of debt throughout the world, and it covers a lot of currency. It covers a lot of what we're talking about, the concept of debt, what debt has meant since the the dawn of mankind to today. It's a really interesting read if you're looking for something uh, on currency and money and sort of how it's changed over time. Uh, I do recommend it. What's it called? Debt, you said? Yeah, it's debt. I think there's a subtitle. Um, It's uh, Debt, The First 5,000 Years by David Graeber. Um, and it's a, it's a thick book. It's, it's, it's a little more textbooky than I normally read. So it wasn't for me, but it's very in depth. And if you're genuinely interested in the topic, I think you'll really enjoy it. I like books that are written with a lot more kind of anecdotes and a lot more kind of story to it. And this one was really more like factual. So, um, but a good book, but a good book. You can check that out. If Dan says it's good, you gotta believe him. Uh, yeah, I would definitely be down to to read that. Now, uh, Matt, we're just about out of time here. Any other any any last thoughts on well, currency? Um, in my research, I, I was I, I got most of my information from the Money Project. Um, okay. So, uh, what is the Money Project? The Money Project is basically a um, it's a, a project that aims to use intuitive visualizations to explore ideas about the very concept of money itself. Uh, so their goal is to create you know, as much information and uh, visual graphics about money, currency, finance, investment, accumulation of wealth, things like that. Uh, and what I found really interesting is they co- the, the commentary – they have on their site about the um, about what we what we as humans put value on, how we place value on material objects, um, mm-hmm. uh, and and what makes a currency successful. You know, for example, the the rye stones they were uns- highly unsuccessful because of their lack of practical use. These giant stone uh, eight ton bricks, basically wheels. Um, other cultures, we didn't have time to get to it, but other cultures would use weapons as money. Like in, in China, they use the, this concept of knife money that the Zhao dynasty used to, um, the Zhou dynasty, they would basically have Mm -hmm. these like sharp knives and arrowheads and they would carve symbols for, of animals in there. And that would denote their value. Like a fish might be worth more than a sheep or something like that. Um, they, uh, 
that eventually gave way to, to traditional circular coins. Uh, really what it, it is interesting. What, what gives currency a staying power? It's staying power. What, uh, what likes things like furs, you know, they have a practical use. They can be traded and yep. exchanged. They can be made into other things. Very similar. Like animal pelts are very similar in that way to metal coins. They can be turned into things for, uh, for practical use. But something like a rye stone, maybe not. Well, and as we move towards digital currency, it's a whole other debate we'll yeah. have. It, it's highly ironic that now I think our currency is at the most worthless in terms of being converted into practical use. I mean, most of our currency oh, sure. now is invisible. It's not even existing. You, you, well, you could... That's true. I mean, paper money you can burn for warmth, but that's yeah. pretty much it. That's I mean, pretty we, much we it. could also laugh about the rye stones and how oral tradition dictates their ownership, but how is that any different from what we do? We use plastic cards that we say have this amount. We, we all mutually agree as a society has this amount of money on it or these numbers in a machine. Yeah. That's, that's like – that is our currency. So. I mean, Matt, all it would take is the absolutely flawless plan at the end of Fight Club <laughs> where you just blow up all the banks and that's the debt it. goes that's away. Because that's how it works. That's how yep. it works. What a what what a yep. a uh, prescient movie that was. <laughs> oh, the nineties. <90s. laughs> God, I miss those movies. Um Matt, what what a treat of an episode. I hope everyone out there learned a little something about currency. I know I did. Uh, and uh, another one in the books for you and I. Before we go, Matt, I do want to mention to people some exciting stuff we've sure. got going on. You, I, the, the the coffee and beer family as a whole. Uh, Matt, we just published a new episode of Game Nights, playing Dungeons & Dragons yes. uh, over at GameNights.tv. Subscribe to that show anywhere you get your podcast. Just search Game Nights, a little green icon. Uh, and Matt, we're, we're having a blast out there um, on this most recent episode um, we have to steal a ship and we got to find a new crew member and naturally it goes hilariously. Right. So, um, I think we're, I think we're on a big roll. Um, yeah, I heard it's supposed to, the excitement is supposed to ra ramp up pretty soon. Excited for that. And, uh, and we'll see, we'll see where it goes. I'm definitely looking forward to, um, finding out more of this, this, uh, world that Colby has created and, having more adventures so we'll see he's yeah. doing a great job he's doing a great job and uh we've got great things ahead we've already pre-recorded we matt and i know what's going to come that's not public yet and it's really great stuff so you're not going to want to miss it game nights.tv or subscribe anywhere you do podcasts I'll also quickly mention uh don't panic as well colby uh dan and i doing tech news every week over at don'tpanic.io also available wherever podcasts are this show is up for debate.tv you can go to our website get all of our past episodes the audio and the video are there get caught up uh we i always like to mention when we do these, when we have old episodes, like, oh, we did an episode on collecting. Oh, we did an episode. On... Go check out the archive. There's a lot of good stuff there. But to get new episodes, you subscribe. Anywhere you get podcasts, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher. We're pretty much everywhere. Or the video version on YouTube, of course. And you can also follow us at Up for Debate TV on Twitter. And Up for Debate TV at gmail.com is the email address to get a hold of us and give us your feedback. Uh, I do want to give a quick, a uh, very short tease. In about two to three weeks, we're, we're going to be wrapping up the summer movie draft 
and starting up the winter movie draft. We're coming back with teams. We've got a great lineup. You're not going to want to miss it. We're still a few weeks away, but this is my early tease. Um, I actually have already ordered the trophy for the summer winner. So, uh, and spoiler alert, it was the biggest one I could buy. So uh, you're not going to want to miss that. So go to UpForDebate.tv. All the details are there to check out. We will be back next week with another great episode of this show. Uh, we appreciate you being here with us. On behalf of Matt, I'm Sean. Hope you had as much fun as we did. We'll see you next time for more great debate here on Up4Debate.